Morning and turn to the end of the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4 this morning. And as we start this new year together, uh, I want us to, to look this morning at a message entitled Kingdom Friends, Kingdom Friends, Colossians chapter 4, uh, and I'll start in verse 7 and I'll go through the end of the chapter down to verse 18. Paul is concluding this letter, he is in prison as he writes this letter. And verse 7 and following says, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Aristarchus, a fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, or excuse me, with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision they have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be to you. Amen. A recent report by U.S. market research company suggests that there are now more mobile devices on the planet than there are people. There are 8.6 billion mobile devices on the planet versus 7.4 billion people. With an estimated 5.8 billion mobile users worldwide. <clears throat> that means that almost 80% of the planet's population has a mobile device. And they average, uh, and they have an average of 1.5 mobile devices each. According to predictions, in the next three years, there will be a number of mobile devices that will top 12 billion, an average of nearly two devices per user. Today, we have more ways of communicating to each other than we have ever before in our life. Not just in the mobile world of a mobile phone or a mobile device, but there are uh, several different types of, of social uh, opportunities where you can communicate with somebody, whether it be email or a Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or another uh, means where you can communicate with someone. We have more ways to communicate with people, but I believe we are communicating less than we have ever before in our life. Paul is writing, as he closes this letter, he mentions nine people. Some of these names are familiar, like Luke and Mark. But a lot of these names, you have no clue who they are. 
but they wound up in the pages of Scripture for a reason. Paul, as he's closing this letter, he's listing some friends of the kingdom of God. Listing some friends that are special to him. As we start this new year, today is a brand new year. I want to challenge every one of us to be a kingdom friend. And to be a kingdom friend means that we communicate. Whether it's through a mobile device, or through a phone call, or through a text message, or through a handwritten letter. But that we make a difference in somebody's life for the kingdom of God. And if they were writing their letter, they would include your name. Many people in the world may not know who you are. But when somebody is either in prison or somebody passes away and their eulogy is shared, your name will come up because you made a difference in the life of somebody for the kingdom of God. So who are these nine people? The first one there is in verse number 7, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news, that, that, all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. How many of you know who Tychicus is? Who in the world is Tychicus? I called him one who is dependable in serving Christ. His name is only mentioned five times in all of Scripture. It's mentioned here in this passage. It's mentioned in Acts 20, verse 4, Ephesians 6, verse 21, 2 Timothy 4, verse 12, and Titus 3, verse 12 as well. In Acts 20, verse 4, Paul was in Ephesus, near the end of his third missionary journey. He had planned to return to Jerusalem via Macedonia to collect an offering for the church, for the Jerusalem church. He wanted to bridge the church of the church of Asia, the, the Gentile church, with the church of, of, of also of, of uh, Jerusalem. Tychicus was from Ephesus. And on that trip, Tychicus went with Paul. At the end of Paul's life, during his second Roman imprisonment, Tychicus was still with him. Facing imminent execution, Paul desired to see Timothy one more time. But Timothy could not leave the church of Ephesus. So Paul sent Tychicus to go to be with the church of Ephesus. Here in Colossians, we find Paul in his first Roman imprisonment. And Paul sends Tychicus to go. And he has several things with him. He has the letter to the church of Colossae. This letter is made available to us by the Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Paul to write it. But Paul had to get that letter from Rome to Colossae. It was Tychicus who hand-delivered this letter. We also have the letter of Philemon that was delivered by Tychicus. We also have that great short letter, Ephesians, that was also delivered by Tychicus. Tychicus, although he may not be very familiar to a lot of us, but he was one who was very dependable in serving the Lord, having traveled with some of the great doctrines of the Bible, the book of Ephesians, but also Colossians and also in, um, in the book of uh, Philemon. The greatest ability in the world is to be dependable. There is greatness in the smallest things done for Christ. Tychicus was one of those people. You may be a kingdom friend this year, may not be one who is, who is out in the spotlight, one who is known by all, but you may have a very important task that God has told you to do, and God has called you to do, and you too can be a kingdom friend by just simply being dependable to Almighty 
God. We must realize that momentary things done for Christ, they are eternal. Tychicus did many things behind the scene, but 2,000 years after the Bible was canonized, we are still talking about the man who is dependable and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstance and comfort your hearts. There's a second individual. This is one that you uh, may be familiar with. The, the word is Onesimus. Verse 9, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all the things which are happening to me. Onesimus, I hope is familiar in our study of Philemon back in August. It was Onesimus who was a runaway slave. It was Onesimus who, when he was an unbeliever, stole some things from Philemon. He leaves, he leaves Colossae and winds up in Rome. There he meets Paul. Paul shares the gospel with him. Onesimus gives his life to the Lord and Paul sends him back. Sends him back to Philemon to work things out. Tychicus has a letter. He has a letter for Philemon where Paul is telling Philemon to welcome Onesimus back. Things get back to where they need to be from the spiritual sense. So Paul says with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, he is one of you. They will make known to you all the things which are happening to me. Onesimus is an example of one who's been delivered from sin's chains. From that of stealing, from that of sin, he has repented. He has asked for forgiveness. God has forgiven him, and therefore he continues his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us are going to mess up. All of us are going to fall into sin. And praise the Lord, there are opportunities where we can repent and we can come back into our spiritual walk with Jesus where we begin to grow, where there is a kingdom friend that is out there saying, here's the guy who's messed up, but he got things right with the Lord. He is useful. He's coming your way as well. Onesimus used to be a thief and a liar, yet God changed his heart. And you as a kingdom friend today, learn how to say, I forgive. And learn how to say, I'm sorry. Learn how to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. And I desire to walk with you and to be a kingdom friend for 2017. Onesimus is one who has been delivered from sin's chains. There's a third individual. Down in verse number 10, Aristarchus. Paul says, he is my fellow prisoner. He greets you. That's all that's listed uh, in, in Colossians about Aristarchus, we find his name in a few other passages in the, in the Word of God. Acts 19, verse 29, the Bible says, So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companion. Acts 20, verse 4, the Bible says he accompanied Paul on his trip to Jerusalem and on his voyage to Rome. In Acts 27, verse 4, as Paul writes the book of Colossians, Aristarchus is right there beside him. Anytime Paul was in prison, Aristarchus was right there. Aristarchus was one who said, I will, in fact, I titled it, dedicating, dedicated to a supporting cause. Paul preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aristarchus says, Paul, I am a kingdom friend for you. I will be right beside you. If you wind up in prison, I will be right beside you. I will not walk. I will not run away. Instead, I will be right there supporting the cause of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A real friend will stick close to you even when times are tough. 
And Aristarchus is not mentioned too many times in Scripture, just three or four. Yet he was one who cared. He was one who showed compassion. He was one who shared with Paul's prison experience. He gave up his own freedom to minister to the needs of Paul. Would you go to prison for one of your friends when it comes to the gospel? Aristarchus did. And it was a worthy cause. One that was support, that dedicated to a supporting cause. We come to the fourth one. Mark, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, Paul says to welcome him. This is very interesting because Mark is one who I call this demonstration of a second chance. We learn in the early part of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, that Paul was a companion, that Mark was a companion of Paul. Yet Mark left. Mark wanted to go back home. And because of that, there was a friction. Barnabas on the second missionary journey wanted to take John Mark with him, wanted to take Mark along, but Paul said, no, he left last time. I don't want him coming back. So Barnabas and Paul split, and Barnabas and Mark went one way, and uh, Paul and, and Silas went the other way, and now you have two missionary teams, but things have come back. And as Paul closes here, he says, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, of whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, I want you to welcome him back. Mark is one who has that second chance. One who is, is there when we're going, things are going through tough times. Mark leaves, but now he has come back. Mark has become a changed man. He has been restored to usefulness, just like Onesimus has. In fact, Philemon 20. Philemon, verse 24, Paul names Mark among his fellow workers. The man whom Paul once rejected became one of his greatest helpers in the kingdom. Could it be this year that your greatest enemy today may be your best friend by the end of this year? Say, so, Brother John, that's impossible. Paul said that. But when it comes to kingdom friends, when you learn how to say, I'm sorry, when you learn how to say things like, I forgive, and I'll give you a second chance, just like the Lord gives me second chance, time and time and time again, you may be that mark. You may be that one who comes back at the end of Colossians and they look to the rest of the New Testament where Mark and Paul become best friends, although they used to be enemies. 2 Timothy 4.11, the end of Paul's life, Paul tells Timothy, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. What about number 5? Verse 11 says, Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers. These are our only fellow workers of the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision, who are Jews. They've proved to be a comfort for me. This word in verse 11, justice's name, you won't find it anywhere else. In fact, if I asked you this morning, who is justice and where is he found in the Bible? Your brain would begin to tick. Ah, is he in the Bible? <laughs> Never heard of him. Maybe you've read through your Bible reading and you come across that name, but he's not listed anywhere else in Scripture. We have no clue who justice is. All we know is that Paul included him as my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God. We don't know what justice was doing, but we do know he was working for the kingdom of God. His life was proven. Only time his name is mentioned in Scripture. A faithful believer who serves the Lord, but whose deeds are not announced for the whole world to know. Can you serve the Lord? 
without anybody else knowing? Without wanting anybody else knowing? Lord, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Even if nobody is looking, I'll do that, Lord. His life was proven. Number six, the scripture goes on to verse number 12. Epaphras, I love this guy, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ. The Bible says he also greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Heriopolis. Epaphras was one who labored in prayer Epaphras came from Colossae and visited Paul. Epaphras was the pastor of Colossae. But he was one who labored in prayer. Unlike Justice and even Mark and Onesimus, there's much that is listed about Epaphras, especially in this text. Two verses are mentioned. He says here, he is one of you. He's from Colossae. He's a bondservant of Christ. He greets you. But notice what he adds he says, in prayers, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. God, give us a kingdom friend who will always pray for us. May you be that kingdom friend where anytime somebody comes to you or anybody's in need, they can depend on you to lift them up to the Lord in prayer. The Bible says that he always, which means he prayed constantly. He was a good example of what Paul said just a couple of verses before this, Colossians 4 verse 2. He not only, that where he continued, continued in prayer. Epaphras did not only pray when he felt like it, as do many Christians today, nor did he pray when he was told to pray or when other believers prayed. He was constantly in prayer seeking God's blessing every time he prayed. The Bible says he prayed always. But the scripture also says <coughs> excuse me, that he prayed fervently, laboring fervently for you. The word there, fervently, means it's the word agonizing. It's the same word in Luke twenty two forty four where Paul or excuse me, where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, agonizing over what the cup that's right there in front of him. The Greek word was used to describe athletes as they gave themselves fully to their sport. He agonized in prayer. All of you have prayed at one point in your life. When's the last time you've agonized over prayer? Where you prayed for someone or for something and not just because you know that's the only thing that can, that can work, but you agonized over it because of your desire to see God work. The Bible also says that he prayed always, laboring fervently for you. He prayed personally. Epaphras did not pray around the world for everybody in general and nobody in particular. He prayed individually for people. I pray that in 2017, not only do you develop a time of, of, of Scripture reading. Guys, that's why we want to start these discipleship groups to help us and hold us accountable. But also you'll be getting a journal and you'll be able to write out things that you are praying, things that are happening in your life, think people that you're praying for, people that are lost, relationships that need to be mended, relationships that need to be restored, and to pray 
personally. Yes, the whole world needs to be prayed for. But Paul says, Epaphras is praying specifically and personally for the church of Colossae. He prayed sacrificially. Verse 13, the Bible says, I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you. And those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Heriopolis, the word zeal means a burden or a distress. Praying that costs nothing, accomplishes nothing. If there's not a cost in your prayer life, there will be nothing that will ever be accomplished. Prayer costs something. It costs time. You may have to get up earlier. You may have to stay up later. Prayer costs something for it to accomplish something as well. Corey Tim Boone said, Any concern too small to be a prayer is too small to be a burden. Have a prayer life that is a burden. One that is agonizing. Brother John, I don't want to pray for it. Not only in your own life. What about our church? We are, we are praying desperately for these prayer goals. For the, these are God-sized goals. And as you see those in our messenger, we are praying together and we will on Wednesday night. But it's more than just on Wednesday night, but every day of our life as a member of God's church to lift these needs up in prayer. The Bible says in verse 14, let's meet character number 7, individual number 7, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. Not, mentioned, not much is mentioned about Luke in this text, but we know a lot about Luke in the New Testament. Only three times mentioned by Paul here in this passage, Philemon verse 24 and also 2 Timothy 4 verse 11. Paul was joined by Timothy on his second missionary journey. We know Luke being a physician, he was a doctor. He was uh, very faithful to Paul all the way to the end of his life. We learn from Scripture that he was single, he had no children. He was a devoted Christian, he served without distraction anywhere Paul went. Luke was there. Why do you think every time Paul left a city in the book of Acts, he was left for dead? How did he wind up at the next city? Why didn't he die? Well, not only do I think it was the work of the Holy Spirit, but I also think in the practical means it was Luke. Luke was one who was always attending Paul. Every time he was beaten, every time he was stoned and left in prison in, uh, in difficult circumstances, it was Luke who was there. Luke is a kingdom worker. Luke wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. You put those two together, Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer when it comes to quantity. Luke was a kingdom worker. Luke was one who was, when it comes to his profession, he was one who lived his profession. Number eight. Let's move on down to verse 16. Now when the epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to Archippus, another unfamiliar name, he says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may receive it. Archippus, we learn from Philemon verse 2, was more than likely the son of Philemon. Archippus was one, the Bible says, take heed to the ministry. He was one who was going to be a preacher. Much like his father was, well, he was not a preacher, Philemon was not, but he was a very devout, strong businessman in the church. Archippus was one who was in that ministry, called to ministry. A kingdom worker, one who is going to come alongside when it comes to ministry. We've had some young men in the last year or so who have dedicated their life to ministry. 
Look forward to working with those as they grow in their faith. But you may be others. You may want to come alongside and help encourage these that are the archipus of our church. Not only those, but also outside the church. Take heed to the ministry. Watch your ministry, which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I skipped one name. It's back up in verse 14. And this is individual number 9. The Bible says in verse 14 at the end, Demas greet you. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Demas left under pressure. Much like Mark, who started out and left, but came back. Demas, we learn from Scripture, there's not many things that are encouraging about Demas Colossians 4 verse 14 says, Demas greets you. Philemon verse 24 says, Demas is a fellow worker. But at the end of Paul's life, in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10, some of the last words that Paul pens, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. The pressure of Paul's situation and the allure of an easier life caused him to forsake the Lord. He gave in to comfort. He positioned his life to where he was not making a difference for the kingdom of God. As we start this year in 2017, how are we going to end 2017? Who will be here? Or who will be like Demas? And fall under the temptation of the enemy. And to go back to an easier, more comforting lifestyle that the enemy offers. If you want to be a kingdom worker, and a worker in the kingdom of Christ, and I believe that desire is for every one of you, that when that temptation comes, that you stand strong. That you be a Aristarchus. Paul, I'm going to stick right here with you. No matter what may take place, I'm going to be right here. I'm not going to be like Demas who has gone back and gone back into the ways of the world. I'm going to stand strong for the kingdom of God. Lord, you went to the cross and died for me. And Lord, I'm willing to give my life if I need to. More importantly, Lord, I'm willing to give my life every day of my life. Every day that I'm on this earth, I want to be one who is used in the kingdom of God. I don't want to leave under pressure. Too many Christians today are walking away from the church because it's hard. It's inconvenient. It's not in their schedule. It's not in their style. And they're leaving. And they're walking away having never come back to the church. To be a kingdom friend is to one who stands strong. There are nine individuals here. As you walk through, every one of them, maybe one was more personal to you than the other one. Tychicus, one who was dependable. Onesimus, one who is called back, one who is delivered from the chains of sins. Aristarchus, one who is there just to support Paul. Justice, where he just his life was proven, not much is mentioned about him. Epaphras, one who prayed uh, uh, fervently for those around him. Luke, who was using his profession to make a difference in the kingdom. You've got uh, Archippus, one who is, who is a faithful minister of the Lord and growing in his faith. Every one of those can be an example for us. But I pray we don't fall in the example of Demas.
Will you be a kingdom friend in 2017? Will you be a kingdom friend as those people that you come around, those people that are in your Sunday school class, those people that you worship with every day, even those people that you know that are not here, that you want to be a kingdom friend for? Maybe to pray for them. Maybe to love on them. Maybe just to be there for them. And to lead them into the fold. You may need to be that friend to say, I'm sorry. And I repent of my sins. Praise God, there's a Mark. There's an Onesimus. There's a David. There's a Peter. The list can go on and on and on of people who have been restored chance after chance in the kingdom of God. Grace is truly sufficient. Be a kingdom friend and be one in 2017. Let's pray. Father, God, I ask today as we lead into a time of invitation, Lord, as we search our hearts, many of these men, Lord, they know you as their Savior. And because they are a kingdom friend, they're living out what's been placed inside their heart. Lord, my prayer today is if there's one here today who does not know you as their Savior, they've never trusted in you, Lord, they've never repented of their sins. God, today they would search their heart and they would pray to you, Lord Jesus, I know today that I'm a sinner. And I believe in my heart that you died on the cross, that you rose again on that third day, Lord, and I repent of my sins, I confess them to you. And I ask that you come into my heart and to save me today. God, I pray if there's somebody who needs to make that decision, Lord, they would come in just a second. God, for the remainder of First Baptist Church, God, teach us how to be kingdom friends. Teach us how to be an epiphus. One who always laboring fervently in prayer for all. Teach us how to be a Tychicus. Behind the scenes, but extremely valuable. God, there may be those who need to make other decisions this morning. I encourage you, Lord, as you speak to their hearts, God, they would come. And we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. Uh, as